Welcome to the HTW Podcast, where your hosts, Erica Huss and Zoe Sakutis, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We stepped away from the juicer and into the sound studio to talk about this rapidly evolving world of wellness. We'll sit down with wellness experts and entrepreneurs for candid conversations and tales from the trenches, how they got their start, how they turned their ailments into ideas, and what they've learned along the way. And we'll bring you news, updates, and our unsolicited opinions on everything we discover in sickness and in wealth. Located at the intersection of wellness and business, H2W is your navigator on the bumpy highway to well. How are we doing this morning, Zoe? We're doing great. We're doing great. I want to talk about how little sleep we've gotten collectively. Let's see. I went to bed. I don't know. What time What time did I go to bed? I'm very tired. I'm very tired. My dog's snoring in my face right now. It's not helping me and my patience level. How much sleep did you get last night? Well, I'm so glad that you asked because I think I got approximately one hour and 45 minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah. No dog snoring. A man doing some light, heavy breathing. No dogs, just children. Or I mean, no just, children. Just just adults, just grown adults. And just one in particular who I love and adore, but sometimes I want to smother him with a pillow. You had a so, yeah. giant adult baby in your I bed. I had an adult baby in my bed and I went <laughs> upstairs to sleep on the living room couch. And it was just around the time that they start, you know, a little construction project out the window. So I got to listen to some trucks backing up for, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, and then there were some cats jumping. It was really, it was a lovely not night of sleep at all. So yeah, I feel like crap. And um, yeah. Uh, that's New York City living for you. Yeah. And then you just pile on top of that a little fall, set your clock back. Oh, right. Clock's back. So that you lost an hour there. And then... Uh, and then it's election day. So I'm just like never relaxed when I'm awake. <laughs> Wait, what does election day have to do with anything? Because it's just everything is like the week is screwed up there. You got to like carve out this time tomorrow to go do the thing unless you've already done it, which I haven't. So I got to go do the thing. And, and you know, right. just in general, tensions, anxieties, riding a little bit high. And also I watched A Quiet Place by myself last night, which may not have been the best thing to do. <laughs> I don't know what A Quiet Place it's is. It's that movie with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. And it's funny, I had to laugh at myself this morning at 5 a.m. when I was awake because I was like, oh, in the movie A Quiet Place, it has to do with like, it's end times basically and aliens have come to earth and the only way that they can find you is when you make noise. So the entire premise of the movie is like covering your tracks everywhere you go and not making a sound. And I would say 90% of the movie is total silence. And the only way that you get seen or like, eaten by these creatures is when you make noise. And I was laughing because in my last 12 to 15 hours of my experience, I would have been snapped up immediately by one of these like space animals because there was no peace and quiet in my house whatsoever. <laughs> but it's a really fucking scary movie. Okay. I will put it, I will add it to the queue. Yeah. Um, you have nothing to be afraid of. No. You have one giant baby and two cats in your house. Yeah, that's true. One giant baby, two cats. They should all just be cuddly warm things that help you do nothing but sleep. Well, this is true. And yet none of those things is happening. Yeah. Well, I brought my, um, I, uh, in a very desperate, I've done this once before in my life with any child, my own. Uh, I brought Sadie in my bed this morning at five in the morning because I was like, I fucking, I give up. I give up 
just bring her in. And she was like, so cuddly and like, just like, just kind of, you know, cuddling on my chest for a while, just sucking out her pipe. Those are her two fingers. About every five seconds, she would just pop her head up and sing, let it go. No. <laughs> and then she would like <laughs> drop no. her head back down. And then she would like pop it back up again and then give me one bar of let it go oh, from my the diagram. And then she would drop her head back down you need to, again. You need to get your receipt and return that baby to Disney. <laughs> There's a flaw in the model. <laughs> it was like, and I just couldn't, I mean, eventually I just started dying laughing, like in my total delirious state. I was like, it's just too funny. Ugh. It is too funny and torturous. Right. Anyway, I'll take my adult baby and quiet cats. <laughs> so we talked to a lady who has probably had some stressful nights herself. Yeah, some, some insomnia, some sleeplessness, some disruption for sure. Nicole of Splendid Spoon fame had two babies started a business, wrote a book, ended her marriage, and lived to tell in all within like two years, which is... Yeah, it's pretty insane. Crazy. Yeah, she has like such a wonderful kind of upbeat and really just pleasant way of being. And I found her, she's just like a lot of fun. Like she's like, she knows a lot about this space that she's playing in. I mean, she's, she created Splendid Spoon just with the idea of this kind of healing through nutrition and somewhat maybe inspired or at least sort of taking a, a page from a blueprint book of seeing like, you know, a few days on any regimen of clean eating can definitely kind of help set you right. And I don't know. I really love talking to her. She's just got like a great... She's good people. She's got good energy. She talks a lot about... We talk a lot about ancestral eating, which is kind of exactly what it sounds like, how we used to eat back in the day. The idea is like, okay, hundreds hundreds and thousands of years ago, our ancestors were certainly not eating remotely the way that, that we are now, but there is something that can be learned from, you know, just eating when your body is actually ready instead of by the clock and which plays into the intermittent fasting conversation a little bit, which there's just so much confusion around. This is a good episode though, because we kind of talk about, we talk a little bit about everything. So we don't go like so deep. It doesn't get too granular in any one area. We kind of skim over, I mean, we covered a lot of shit. We talk about blue zones, talk about intermittent fasting, ancestral eating, industrial farming, lectins, stone soup and dirt smoothies, huh? <laughs> mm, sign me up. Yeah, no. So it's a good, it's a good one. Nicole is awesome. And I really appreciated that you were able to give her a brief lesson in Greek, if nothing else, like at least how to read a Greek menu so that you know where your stew is coming from. That's right. She has a really good Greek inspired stew from the island that my dad is from. And so she was saying it in this really American <laughs> Insane way. <laughs> God bless her. So she now knows how to say Ikaria. There you go. Huh? We're all learning. We're all learning some stuff here. Everybody's learning today. I'm learning that it might be time to um, make up the guest room and <laughs> find an escape route when I need it. You want to take a nap? I might need to take a nap. In the meantime, I think uh, no napping because this episode is not to be missed. Intermittent napping, intermittent fasting. <laughs> <laughs> I think those two things together. Okay, let's do it. Bye. (laughs) Hi, guys. We have a 
really good episode coming up. But before we do, we just wanted to take a second to talk a little bit about one of our favorite brands, Siete, which is a delicious family-owned and operated healthy Mexican-American food company that specializes in grain-free tortillas, tortilla chips, dairy-free queso, and clean ingredient hot sauce. That dairy-free queso is ridiculous. I eat it with chips. It's like complete crack. Cashew-based. And the cassava and almond flour tortillas are soft and they roll up perfectly for a little breakfast taco, just like a flour tortilla. And for those of us who cannot handle the flour tortillas, perfect answer. Yeah. And I like, because, you know, they do have nut, like cashew, based tortillas, but they also have cassava, which is amazing. As a special offer, Siete is going to give our listeners this very special code for 10% off. It's H-T-W Siete, and that's S-I-E-T-E, like the number seven in Spanish, and that's at sietefoods.com. Gracias, Siete. Nicole from Splendid Spoon. First of all, splendid is such a good word and I think highly underutilized. So I give you good kudos for finding a way to work that into, you get to say it a million times a day. We just did a little survey with our customers and they were was like, what do you think of when you hear splendid? And they were like, at at least five people were like, a dandy Englishman. I think yeah. of a, I think I think of a handsome a, a English guy. And I was like, all right, I guess that's that's cool. Yeah, he could be like your mascot instead of like, totally. you don't need Sir Kensington. You need like you need Sir Splendid. Sir Splendid, yes. yes. Madam Splendid. Yes, there she is. <laughs> Senora Splendid? Maybe Dame. Oh, I like mm. it. I'm just, I'm making it a premium Like product. Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> yes. yes. Dame. Dame Splendid Spoon. Dame Spoon. I like it. <laughs> So give us the quick and dirty on Splendid Spoon. What is it? Sure. How was it born? Where did it come from? Sure, sure. So it was born when I was pregnant with my first son. I wanted to take better care of myself, as I think like lots of pregnant ladies do. And I have a background in biology and looking at nutrition as treatment for different disease models. And then I had also gone to cooking school. So I felt like I had all of the tools to like do this. But I felt really overwhelmed and I felt like there was a lot of information out there that wasn't necessarily true or a lot of it was conflicting. And I kind of had this moment of like, isn't there just one thing? Is there like one thing that I can do that's right and that will actually be good for me every day? And so I made these vegan soups and I sat down once a day and I would have like at least one meal that was totally plant-based. And it Are just you sort vegan of, at the time? And I'm not vegan. I was not, I've never been vegan, actually. I was vegetarian for a short period of my life in high school. But it really did, it just kind of like gave me this moment to reset in the middle of the day. And it also made me feel like, you know, at least if I'm doing this one thing that's right, then some of the other stuff is cool too. And like, I can be a little bit kinder to myself when I'm out to eat or when I'm doing all the things that I like to do because I love food and I love people and that's sort of like the kernel of Splendid Spoon. It's this idea that these small changes really can make a very big difference in your health and that you don't have to turn your life upside down to be better and that you can still be busy and be healthy. So we make plant-based smoothies and plant-based soups and we send them to you direct to your home. They come in a nice little FedEx box and you order them on our website. And we try to combine them with support, community support and tips and sort of tricks to be a little bit more present in your your busy life. And you're in New York. It's based in New York. Yeah. It's so our office in is York. in Williamsburg. Yeah. So it's made, we have three different manufacturing partners who make the food according to all of our recipes. We work with a chef and several registered dietitians to come up with all the different 
formulas and lovely things that you can taste and feel and nourish you. And then we work with a couple different fulfillment partners to pack it all up and and send it to our customers. Mm -hmm. What is not in the soup? What is not in the soup? Mm, so in there are no of, eggs. Okay, yeah. So things- <laughs> there are no, there's no dairy. There are no animal products. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are no, it's gluten-free also. Mm-hmm. So it's gluten-free. It's totally plant-based. There are no preservatives. There, It's really simple ingredient lists. It was kind of like, if I'm going to do one thing right a day, like what does it need to be? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I need to eat more vegetables. It needs to be unprocessed. It needs to be wholesome. It needs to be as simple as if I was making it myself. It needs to be real food. Like yeah. it can't be a bar. It can't be a like a powder. Mm-hmm. So those were all of the different criteria that I had. Is it all cooked or is any of it raw? The smoothies are raw. So how did you kind of make the leap from this is what I want to do for myself Mm. into like, oh, this is actually something that I'm feeling great. I'm seeing it working and I'm going to go out to the world with this. I just felt like I thought it was interesting that when I looked at the space, like when I was just trying to feed myself. And this is like 2000. In 2013. Mm -hmm like 2012 to 2013, because I was pregnant with Grover. It was like, there was so much noise. There's so much, like there's so much noise. And everyone kind of has the same problem. Like we all are trying to take care of ourselves and we all care deeply. I think we all kind of like know what we're supposed to do, but we're all really busy. And there are all these modern pressures to be like really productive and do, do, do and achieve, achieve, achieve. It's like, the way to take care of yourself is in conflict with the way that we also want to live. And so I just felt like that's a really simple, that's a big problem with potentially a simple solution through food. It made me feel like, oh, there's probably like that could be a business. And the more I kind of like looked into, because I don't have a business background. I'm just like, I'm an Aries. I'm like very impulsive. (laughs) I was just like, I'm just going to do this. But did you see yourself? Um, Were you an entrepreneur prior to that? No, I worked in media. I mean, I have an uh, now looking back, right? You look and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, I can see all yeah. see all of the traits there. Like when I was little, I kind of like uh, was often convincing people to come and like buy little trinkets from me or like pay for different like performance. I was always kind of like figuring out what people were interested in and sort of like harnessing their pocketbooks in some way, I guess, or harnessing their attention. And I've just always kind of wanted to be my own boss, I think. You know, and I I think also at that time being pregnant, there was this element of like, I'm going to be bringing another life into this world. What does that mean about the imprint that I'm leaving? Like not to get too like philosophical about it, but there was this kind of existential moment for me where I was like, what is like, what, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And what am I leaving behind for this person? And I felt like I wanted to create something that was mine beyond just like becoming a mom. Mm-hmm. And there there was something for me with the convergence of being pregnant and starting the business that kind of like gave me a little bit more of a creative jolt and gave me a little more confidence to just like take a leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another perk to that is, you know, your brain actually shrinks. So you have the sort of the advantage of being blissfully slightly dumber somewhat ignorant. <laughs> and yeah. There's no, there's it's no like you're tool. more instinctive. Yeah. There's, there's when you're starting a business. Yeah, yeah. You're, you work more just out of feel and instinct and in sort of like that fight or flight response, I think. Right, and pure stupidity. Yeah. Which is what I found. Oh, totally. I was like, oh, yeah. you talk me into anything when I'm running it. Like, my brain's actually smaller right now. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone should do it. Yeah, you're like... Somewhere. Well, I think in any time you're focused on something that you care 
deeply about, yeah. you be, you are pushed a little bit more into that fight or flight mood too. You're yeah. like, I will protect this at any cost. And that means right. being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Hey, it happens in hey. Some call it using your instincts, your gut, all that. So. Your yeah. gut. Your gut. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, you start, I mean, how did you sort of build the the concept and scale it and then get it into where it is now? Which is- So then it was, it was just kind of like, as soon as I figured out that there was a market and that people were interested in eating my food, which had started before I was even pregnant with Grover. I had I was like cooking meals and bringing them to people at Condé Nast where I worked and I was doing cooking lessons. I just like, it became very much kind of like that survival mode that we're talking about. It was like, okay, what do I do to put one foot in front of the other tomorrow? And one step forward, two steps back. I don't care. I'm going to do it again. Um, so it was very basic. It was like, I need to make food. I need to have a website. I need to... I need to, like, understand what I'm able to do and what I'm not able to do. Um, Really quickly, I learned what I was not good at, which was pretty much everything. That's not true. (laughs) Come on, give me some real examples of what you were— What I was not good at was the things that I thought that I loved. Like, I love cooking, and I thought I would be good at teaching people how to cook— at scale in the kitchen. And I really wasn't because what I love about cooking is the experimental elements. Mm -hmm. Like I hate following recipes Mm -hmm. and I like the tasting and the changing of the ingredients. And that is absolutely like not what you do when you're trying to make things at scale. I am good at hiring people, right? Like I am good at finding the people to help me and motivate people based on passion. You know, like all of my early staff. Um, my very first hire came from the NYU food studies program and she's still with me. Nice. And she's been such Renee. Hi Renee. Hi Renee. She's like mm-hmm. such a meaningful part of the business, our culture and the work ethic and the spirit of the business. That's a pretty good skill to have, right? Yeah. Is like early on is like if I'm not able to do these things, yeah. I'm not good at 99% of them, but I am good at finding people to do them. So that's that's like... I think that's such a huge mark of a good entrepreneur is understanding your boundaries and your limitations and being humble enough to admit them and then find the solution. Right. And and somehow I'm and I think also the other thing I, I think I was good at in the early days, especially when I was pregnant, you're so like emotional, was I was able to find like some clarity or some peace in the really, really bad moments. Like there were so many tears and like in the very beginning, I was breastfeeding Grover, like in my car outside of the kitchen and my mom would sit with us and then I would run in to like, you know, make sure things were being done properly. Or the day after I gave birth to Grover, I went to the restaurant supply store to get containers. Oh my God. And it's oh, like, Jesus. That, it was like that kind of stuff. And I, fe- I felt so physically exhausted the first oh. two years. And it was like, the, the only thing that got me through it was like the little moments like that I had, that I had created for myself with food. It was like little moments to like, oh my God, like, five minutes just to like sit and eat something nice or have Mm. a cup of tea or like the little moments to go for a walk. Like those ultimately were the things that saved me in those first two years. While you were creating a business while I was was designed to save people from their own moments. Right. Very meta. It's very meta. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I mean, you guys know how it is. It's like the first two years. I look back and I'm like, I don't know how it happened. Like, sheer will. Yeah, but that's, I mean, in many ways, like you said, this was sort of your second child. So yeah. So it wasn't even a question of, right. like, if. It was just a question of how. Totally. And when. And let's figure it out because yeah. we have to. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, that's what keeps it pure. Yeah. I mean, um, I know what it's like, but I didn't know what it was like to have 
you know, a child at the same time. I mean, that's definitely yeah. a double dose of holy yeah. shit. Yeah, it was a big. That's hard. That's it, yeah. really hard. It was, it was, it was a lot. And it was, it was like I had Grover and then I had, I was pregnant with my second son when Grover was nine months. So that was like really intense. And then, um, and then I, so it was like all these interesting things that were happening all at the same time. So I had Grover. It was like, oh my God, like amazing. I've kind of like gotten through the first six months with my baby and my business and I'm starting to hire people. Then I got pregnant again and I was like, oh my God, I think. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to be able to, like, survive. I think I have to make a second business. Yeah. And then— Oh, my God. And I got—and I also, at that time, I had gotten this book deal with Rodale to write a book about soup cleanses. And I was like, that's amazing. I've, like, okay, that's an amazing opportunity. So then I did that very quickly, and then my marriage ended. (laughs) Oh, no. So it was, like, this really crazy— What year is this? This was, was like, right after my Saturn returns. I don't know any astrology— folks out there <laughs> think about it um it was like a year and a half later basically yeah, yeah. it was like 15. within it was like within three two and a half years it was like I'd had one baby started a business was pregnant with the next um wrote a book and my like my marriage ended and it was like all of those things happened to me I think the only way to look at that stuff is is like it helps you clarify what your life's path is. Mm-hmm. Like on the other side of it now, it allowed me to admit that I couldn't do everything. Like I had to build out my team even more. Mm-hmm. And I had to let go of a relationship that was not working in the way that it was set up and kind of recreate it in a in a different dynamic that now is really healthy. But but yeah, it's like there's something to it though, right? I There's totally something agree. to I think those that difficult concept of like when one door closes, a window opens. I think, yeah. I mean, obviously you would never set it up and design it that way, but the right. fact that it did and it sounds like you handled it with I'm sure moments of, you know, total freak out and panic, <laughs> but it sounds at least totally. in retrospect the way you can think about it and talk about it. It sounds very graceful, sort of like there was just this kind of fluid like I'm just going to You're going to kind of like accept, yeah. right? And I think for someone like myself where so much of my life was a little more like analytical and like I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this and it's like all going to fall into place and being forced to let go of that structure by like sort of outside forces and it's really humbling and I think that's part of what has allowed me to have good people in my life Mm -hmm. it's like you only invite good collaborators and good creativity when you yourself can be humble and those events really humbled me yeah (laughs) yeah that'll that'll (laughs) That'll knock knock it out of you did you separate before your second child was born after okay yeah so it was, it I'm was really he was still a baby yeah. yeah yeah wow that's tough yeah that's tough mama Oof. yeah yeah but it's a good thing you had a nice warm cup of something soothing <laughs> at the end of every day good thing you had a hot cup good thing yeah. good thing i had a hot cup of soup <laughs> <laughs> you're like is your life totally crumbling before your very eyes here have some soup you. and then the yeah. dandy splendid madam yes comes exactly. in have a sip of dame <laughs> splendid dame splendid um, here to serve you but there i mean all kidding aside there is something to that which is nourishing yourself and feeling like you know when all else is completely up in the air self-care becomes so much more critical yes so in some ways it is sort of serendipitous that this yeah. is actually where you landed with what you wanted to do well and then it's like Everything I do now, I get to be like, how do I take better care of myself? You know, and like, yeah. um, how do other people 
take care of themselves in those moments. Mm-hmm. And it creates like a relatable element for totally. me too to understand lots of different life paths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said that your background, you were in cooking and you also were studying nutrition and... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, when I was in college, I studied diet therapies. I studied diet therapies as treatment for epilepsy, actually. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I was looking at just different ways that actually ancient, like, fasting rituals were used to treat people who had epilepsy in, like, the Roman times. So our lab looked at how those mechanisms could be used in adults. And Mm -hmm. the ketogenic diet is used for children with epilepsy now, actually, which Mm -hmm. is just a very, very unpleasant, like, high-fat diet so that the child doesn't have to go on to drugs, Mm -hmm. medication. And that just really kind of, like, created—I'd always been very interested in food, and I'd always been really interested in, like, where it comes from and— you know, growing food and everything. And so the lab really gave me this very, like, objective perspective of, yep, this does change the chemistry of your body. Mm-hmm. Fasting specifically or keto specifically? Just or- in general, like, what you put in your body really does have this effect on this, on all the complex mechanisms of your body. Mm-hmm. Like, we are super resilient, but it's because our bodies are constantly trying to create, like, homeostasis for us. Mm-hmm. And also, like, if something's not quite right, you know, like, if you have some kind of illness or symptoms that are not making you feel well, there there are different ways that you can can shift back into that homeostasis through food and through diet. And so that was really interesting to me. But it was also kind of like, mon- it was like monotonous mm-hmm. to go into the lab and do the same thing over and over again. So I ended up in a career in media and then I felt kind of like disconnected again from mm-hmm. the things that I care about. So I went to culinary school at night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like too, you've found a way to sort of weave that principle into, I mean, what you're talking about here with soup or even soup cleanses, for example, mm-hmm. like the book that you were going to, or the book that you did write on soup mm-hmm. cleanses. Um, I mean, that those principles are are completely in place, right? Mm-hmm. Having to do with you're limiting your calories or yep. you're limiting the level of digestive energy that you're expending when you're consuming something like soup versus yeah. dense right. food and all Right, that. like a steak or... Right, yeah. So, I mean, you talk about, you mentioned the concept of like ancestral eating. So yeah, really yeah. So, and that really did start in the lab too. It was like research scientist who was running the lab, he often talked about like physio- physiologically we are not that different today than we were when we were hunter-gatherers. And when you look back across time, it's like two, it was two million years ago that like Homo erectus sort of like first sprang from the primates and kind of like started the branch that became Homo sapiens. And it was 200,000 years ago that like Homo sapiens as we kind of know ourselves came to be. And it was only about 15,000 years ago that agricultural farming came to be. So the idea of like food as abundance is really new to our bodies. And a lot of what science shows us is that, yes, it's great that we've sort of like limited, we we no longer have this limited resource in food. And that's done so much for us in building the population and feeding our brains so that we can develop technology that furthers us in our ability to be productive. But Physiologically, we still were missing some of the stressors of of what it was like being hunter-gatherer. 
there are these cells. It's like the thrifty gene is, is kind of like what it's called. And it's the genes that sort of like kick in when as hunter-gatherers, we had limited resources. So it was like the way that we've evolved is the people who were able to survive for certain periods of like not having food are the ones that are now, you know, we are their ancestors mm-hmm. and or they are our ancestors. The genes that kicked in at that time also help to get rid of the cells that were cause- causing damage. Like th- that was what allowed these people to survive and then procreate and and create the modern society that is now. So there is a lot of benefit from looking at our ancestors and the way that they ate and and kind of like accepting that, yeah, we have almost too much. Mm-hmm. Like we have so much available to us and that's great for our brains, but it's not always great for our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what I find fascinating with people. It's kind of like, how do we acknowledge where we are in our modern state and acknowledge that it's great that we've created all of this technology that allows us to achieve and connect with people across the world without moving and like all of these amazing things that our brains have allowed us to do. But how do we take care of our bodies that are still kind of like catching up? (laughs) Yeah, they're still catching up. Like we've evolved so fast. And that's a lot of what's at the heart of what I try to do with food. It's like we can use food as a tool to help us in those in our busy lives. And there are ways to do it that are practical, you know, whether it's through intermittent fasting or just eating more vegetables or. So how do you want people to use a soup cleanse as a tool? Like, are you considering it intermittent fasting? Are you considering it ancestral eating? Are you considering it? just? It's like- sort of like all of it's like all of those things. Right. I mean, I think. The, the big umbrella is really like ancestral eating. The big umbrella is like, how did we eat when we didn't have resource and why is it beneficial for us today? Okay, but can we just define ancestral eating? So ancestral eating is like if you can, if you could imagine yourself as a hunter-gatherer. Okay, I'm visualizing okay, it right so now. Close your eyes. You're spear. a hunter-gatherer. You have your spear. I've got your fur pelt I've bikini. My, right. Totally. <laughs> I think like Wilma I'm like Barbara and her, uh, What's her name? Bam Bam? Bam Bam. Yeah. Yeah. You're Bam Bam. Definitely. <laughs> totally. Bam Bam is happening. Yeah. And you, you, you may or may not have food today. So like you're going to go out and spend a certain part of your day looking for food, whether it's like seeds or little bits of grain or berries or root vegetables. And maybe you're part of a larger group that has evolved at this point to have spears and is able to hunt animals or fish and and have protein. But you're at the mercy of your environment and you're at the mercy of the skills of of your tribe, really, and of, of your own you know, ability to to find resources. Right, so we're eating so local. So you're eating local, hyper local. <laughs> um, and you package. don't and you don't necessarily know when you're going to be able to eat. So you're eating just what's and just what's available is, you know, single ingredient. Um, very, you know, there's not you're not getting sugar. If you're if you've found something that uh, provides sugar to you, you're probably gonna like hack away at the <laughs> At the agave plant or at the honeycomb and yeah. also potentially <laughs> until, you <pass> out. <laughs> until you pass out and then some other animal is probably going to eat you. Right. Realistically. True. And, and you're not passing say. your gene. You're not passing your genes on at that point. Correct. You're not able to like pass out in, right. in your right. home. You're, you're dead. Right. So no sugar binging until you pass out. Because you're, you're dead. like a dog. So I mean, you know, dogs, dogs have this thing where 
they literally can't control themselves. So if they get into yeah. like your yeah. trash, they'll they're literally going to eat until they get something called bloat, which is basically their stomach yeah. open. Go on. Well, and they've done studies with different people who sort of live still in a more like ancestral way. So indigenous cultures where they still live essentially like hunter-gatherer. And they will, if if given access to like honey or juice, they will consume all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, without abandon. Um, and that is as to whether sugar is addictive, I think that's right. Probably. And that is and that is partly that it's that is hereditary because we, we want to create fat stores so that we have more physical resilience yeah. in the times when our environment does not provide for us. So that's all like that's just built into that's just us. Hardwired. That's like hardwired sure, in our yeah. DNA. It's not your fault if you have a sweet tooth. Okay, you are hardwired. <laughs> hardwired for that cupcake. It's your caveman grandma. <laughs> There's a reason why you're just like, I'm not going to have one bite of this cupcake because I am hardwired to keep going. Yeah. Eat the whole damn cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> So yeah, so that's in, that's 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 at the heart of ancestral eating. Right. Is is that there are limited resources. That's really like a that's a big part of ancestral eating is the limited resources. And so the structure of intermittent fasting which is a modern phenomenon. Like our ancestors didn't want to fast. Right. right. <laughs> no. They were driven by their hunger. They were like, please, can I find something to eat? Right, right. Can I please build up my fat stores? I'm going to eat like, this entire elf. Today's my you know? cardio like, day. So. No, like intermittent fasting is then sort of like underneath that umbrella, a tool that's been created by us modern folks to invoke a little bit of that. It's an environmental stressor, essentially. So it's, you know, I don't know if you've heard the term hormesis at all, but that's basically, it's it's sort of like... Hormesis is the science Sounds behind. Like my cousin. It's your cousin, your <laughs> great cousin. cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the idea behind it's that's what's behind like the slight discomfort of acupuncture, mm-hmm. the slight discomfort right. of intermittent fasting, the slight discomfort of like eating cruciferous vegetables. Hormesis is sort of like embedded in you all create of that. Like a stress point. It's so like that. a tiny stress point, and it's it's the idea of like kind of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. These, at a cellular level, you create deeper resilience. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing it um, just every so often, then your body is is building up a, a stronger resilience over time. So to clarify, basically, the stressor that you're talking about is like when you're hungrier than you normally yeah. would be or that, that is a little bit uncomfortable because right. you're not used to feeling like that little kind of... Right, or I mean... True, true fasting in terms of its like therapeutic benefits come around like 14, it's different for everyone. Every body is totally different, but it's like 14 to 16 hours. Mm -hmm. And then that's when like your insulin levels really dip and your body is like working. Mm -hmm. And that's when autophagy kicks in. And autophagy is basically when your cells um, repair themselves. Mm-hmm. They're like, we need to like make shit very efficient in here, and you have, have got to go. Right? They're they like, have you got to go. You got to go. Process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's similar. It's the same with like cruciferous vegetables. I, I love thinking about this because like plants actually have like tiny little poisons in them, which help them survive. Let's right. talk about those. Yeah. That's my favorite <laughs> new subject. <laughs> and it's and when we consume them as humans, we actually then it then triggers like. That slight stress of like that tiny, tiny little poison, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do they have little poisons in them? What are, so what that are it's real. I mean, it's really to prevent 
other animals from eating them so that they can continue to flower and they can continue to seed and they can survive as we all want to, as Darwin has they don't have spears to protect. They don't have spears. Right. So they're, they're, they're rooted in the ground. So yeah. they're like, this is all we've got. They've got seeds. They've got holes. They've and got we've holes. Ev- yeah. yeah. And we've evolved to work with those. And we've evolved our own response to to actually like benefit from those. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a difference between hormesis is to me is the difference between like starvation and intermittent fasting. Right. It's like starvation is not good that's not right and that's what we're here. and that's yeah. what our body is is like fighting against that's why our, the, our body wants the sweet and the fat and the salty it's like last thing we want is starvation so like mm-hmm. i'm gonna do whatever i can to to put you into cruise control so that that doesn't happen yeah so just because i think it's kind of it's it's a little buzzy right now is the sort of like lectin conversation oh yeah yeah and so talk you know speaking about these sort of little poisons that are in plants and I mean lectins are in pretty much everything in varying degrees yeah um but you know there's an argument now that they're it's not good for us we should be they're they're not treating our body you know lectins are causing some trouble so what you're just what you were just saying is like we sort of have evolved yeah to turn that around and somehow like we're utilizing that now. right and so I'm just, so what is your opinion on that? Because it's a subject that, I mean, dear God, I hope it's not true. And I hope you're right. To some extent, I'm sure there's truth in both. But I think that, you know, the idea that, like, we should avoid lectins is terrifying to me because it's, they're in everything. they're fucking delicious. They're in everything, particularly nightshades and, like, peanuts and everything else, uh, like legumes. But, well, you know, it's in, also in not in a again. universal way. I mean, that's the thing. Not everybody has the same response to every lecture. That's right. Right. So For sure. It's right. Not, it's not a across the board. Well, I mean, I think that's what's always so interesting to me about food and like people. It's like we are all evolving every day. And yes, some people are probably evolving that like it doesn't work for them. Just like gluten, right? It's right, like you right. think about gluten and the gluten sensitivity. And, you know, we for a long time— were eating lots of different kinds of grains and lots of different kinds of lectins. And there was a lot more biodiversity in our diet because we were eating just kind of like whatever was available. And then big industrial farming created monocrops. And our bodies, yeah, and our bodies don't want the same thing all the time. So yeah, it's like if you've been having the same kind of tomatoes and and epigenetics, I think is a big part of this too. It's like if you and your grandmother and your grandmother's grandmother have been having the same tomatoes, the same wheat, the same sugar, the same soy for that's now like 120 years, Mm -hmm. a a lot of us, our guts are going to be like, I don't want it anymore. Yeah. And I think it's so extreme. Like, I think that that moving from, like, huge biodiversity to, in a short period of time, very limited mm-hmm. um, diversity in our diet is is really extreme it to is. our bodies. Yeah. And so it's not surprising to me that lots of people, enough people, have reactions to things like lectins and things like gluten that they're like, Right. Maybe it is a trend. Maybe it, you know, I mean, I think that's why people, it becomes a debate because for some right. people it doesn't work for And them. I think to your point, because we are all evolving at a different rate, I mean, I think even just in your own lifetime, you see like, okay, I used to be able to tolerate things that definitely don't sit well with me. Oh, totally. Now. So it is kind of, you always have to be your own best you yeah. know, advocate and yeah. do your own experiment and see. Like, yeah. you could have the same tomatoes. Yes. And a lot of that probably has to do with, I mean, the fact that, 
Listen, like my children can eat peanut butter hand over fist and they're like, fine, mm-hmm. I think, or so right. they think. Who knows? They could feel like shit and they don't even realize it. But they're not having anaphylactic. But they're not having yeah. like, they're not having digestion. You know, they're not, they're not in pain. It's definitely mm-hmm. not hurting them. I used to be able to eat peanut butter. I can't, I, like, if I eat peanut butter now, my stomach feels like horrible, like bloated. I mean, it's just like the worst. Yeah. And it's been kind of like a weird experiment that I've, because I've, like restricted it for so long and then I started eating it again. I'm like, oh yeah, that is what that is. And yeah. like there are certain foods that I've done like a little bit of elimination and then I like reintroduced and I'm like, oh, that yeah. is like very clearly because they're just like lectin bombs. Like mm-hmm. I'm attributing that to lectins like a thousand percent. But I think, you know, to your point, Erica, and you like some foods you used to be able to tolerate and now Suddenly you can't. I mean, I think a lot of that speaks to where we are now with like our guts and like mm-hmm. the antibiotics that we're taking mm-hmm. and the fact that we start taking them, you know, when we're young and, and you know, it takes like three years to sort of rebuild your gut after yeah. antibiotics. And so like, yeah, your stomach is not going to handle X, Y, and Z the way it did before you took that dose of antibiotics. Right. So that's like another huge piece there's of There's so many mm-hmm. factors. In yeah, that. there's so, so many like factors. your mm-hmm. brain explodes. Right. Like, so yeah. Not, even just doing one experiment is not going to be right. the— Right, right. It's not going to give you the full answer because right. there's so many factors. Well, and I think that was the other part that drew me to building Splendid Spoon. It's like the three of us are like fascinated by this and like I, lo- I love it. Like I've built an entire business around this kind of like experiment with how yeah. to be healthier mm-hmm. and through my food. And not everyone feels that way. Like, not everyone wants to, to totally. be totally. their own, like, scientist. No. And you know what? A lot of people are like, I don't want to fucking know. I don't right. want to know. Don't I don't want to know. I don't, don't want to think about me. it. Yeah. I want my peanut butter and yeah. wheat sandwich and <laughs> yeah. that's going to be that. Yeah. But if there's a way to... So if it's like if there's a way for someone to feel like, yeah, they, they can make a difference with right. just like one meal, then that feels really great for me. And also if I'm slowly like shifting people from more processed food to more wholesome mm-hmm. food that is like what you would make for yourself at home that is a little more similar to like a few generations ago, mm-hmm. then collectively that's improving the health of a society mm-hmm. too, right? Because it's like diet-related illness is the number one cause of death. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Lifestyle diseases. Well, I, yeah. Unbelievable. It's so crazy. Um, you just reminded me, speaking of the, the generations before and some of your in some of your foods, one of my favorite products of yours is the Icarian stew. I had it for breakfast. You did? Yeah. <laughs> right. It was like my second breakfast. That's Zoe's, that's Zoe's uh, land. <laughs> that's my Oh, land. really? My dad's from Icaria. Stop. Yeah, girl. That's like I'm the, all blue zone. Oh, my God. Like you're so blue zone. I'm going to live till I'm like <laughs> a thousand. You will. Um, yeah, so eat all the peanuts you want. Don't matter none. I know. Guess you're, what? They don't eat peanuts in Igaria. Yeah. They, well, they, they're all walnuts. Wait, and how do you say it? I mean, as an American, you say Icaria, but it's Icaria. <laughs> Icaria. Okay, yeah. so I've been saying it. Icarian stew. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so many thanks for this wow. uh, Greek know. grammar lesson. There you go. <laughs> um, so Ikaria is this island in, so there are what, like nine blue zones or something that yeah. they've identified in the U.S. One is like Okinawa. One is actually in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ikaria is one of them. For those of you who don't know, Icarus, it's named after Icarus, yes. that mm. that gentleman with the wings who flew too close right to the sun. sun. They that melted. Gentleman. That gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> his monocle <laughs> and his like, winged feet. Hmm, what would we see here? <laughs> a fireball. 
<laughs> and then he fell to the ground and he got a little lesson. And so anyway, so that's Iker. And they, you know, a lot of that, who knows? There are so many reasons why these super agers exist. A lot of it is, I think, this sort of like multi-generational kind of living mm-hmm. that's like really big yeah uh, for greeks in general but like in ikari i mean like everyone's going like grandma's coming out with you till three in the morning and she's just gonna sit there at the table and like hang out and drink wine or espresso and some of these sorry i'm just gonna like you know go off from it so there is a low level of radiation that they've detected mm. in both the San Diego Blue Zone and in um, Ikaria. And they attribute some of the sort of super aging to this very low, almost like undetectable level of radiation, which is so interesting. Because I'm like, is that what's sort of keeping the cancer at bay? Right. Like, oh, is interesting. that... So, Good point. Anyway, so there's like a little bit of that going on. It's a little bit of a stew. But yeah, interesting. Speaking you, of if you stew, will, yes, yes. <laughs> it is a delicious product. I really do love that. Um, I'm so happy. That's so funny. Yeah, I so I sent that to Bill Butner, the author of Blue Zones. I was oh, like, Did you? Hello, Bill. You sent him this like the my... actual stew. Yeah. Oh, nice. Did he respond? <laughs> he was like, It's so good. Oh, good. Yeah. And it was that's mad good. <laughs> Got the uh, what, black eyed peas, yeah. fennel, so dill, tomato. It's an amazing combination. Very uncommon. Fun, yeah. in, I mean, in sort of like a American yeah, cuisine, yeah, yeah. at oh, least. That's right. The and, dill with the tomato. And then the fennel. And then the fennel. It tastes very fresh and it's very light. It doesn't, yeah. like it's, you, it's called a stew, but mm-hmm. it doesn't, I mean, it feels very, like it's very right. easy to digest. And, right, 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 right. Oh, so lovely. good for you. Now, do you pressure cook anything? Technically, a lot of the ones with beans are pressure cooked. They are. Yeah, because they're they're cooked in a steam kettle. So there is some pressure cooking happening See, there. See, there's hope for you and your beans. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. I mean, the point being, like, pressure cooking is supposed to reduce, greatly reduce the amount of lectins. Right. And things like legumes um, and everything, but specifically beans right. and, like, lentils and stuff. Are you doing soup every day? Like, how's your, how are you using how, your own <laughs> How are you getting high on your own supply? <laughs> so... I have a smoothie and a soup at least. Like I like I have those two things at least once a day. What's your favorite? Um, I like the ABJ for my smoothie breakfast. That What's one's in that? it's almond butter. There's some organic pea protein in it, and there are pureed strawberries. So it's like, and it's thick. It's a lot thicker than the other smoothies, and it's not sweet. It has this very like that almond butter and jam mm-hmm. kind of vibe Savory where it's just a little bit of tartness from the um, strawberries and it's just really satisfying. It's really, it's like one of the few drinkable things that I can have where I feel very sated mm-hmm. afterward. Mm-hmm. And then for lunch, I I really like the, how do you say it again? I'm not going to get it. Ikaria. 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 All right. So I really like the Ikarian. <laughs> She'll get there. <laughs> Soup. That was great. Uh, you did thank a you great job. So much, Zoe. Greek is thank a you. very difficult language. Um, it's funny because the guy that I was, one of the my lab mates in college was Greek. And so when he would get upset about things, he would like just be cursing in Greek. <laughs> and then I also really like the chana potatoes too. So that one is chickpeas and potatoes, um, a little bit of cilantro in like a really rich curry broth. It's really, really tasty. It sounds amazing, except for the cilantro. But I did notice on your website that you ask people for their preferences yeah. and allergies, and you can uncheck the cilantro box. It's true. For people like me. It's, it's true. Oh. Important box. Very shop. important. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I guess it's a real thing, right? A lot of people call bullshit on you and your kind, but I believe it. I think Why would you call bullshit? I don't know. <laughs> I like I all know. vegetables. There's no reason for me to make it up. Somebody just said this to me. They're like, I don't believe people who say that they... No, it's you know true. What? It's a genetic... It's very true. Yeah, I agree. It's also... We also have beets on there because it's right. like 10% it. of our customers were yeah. avoiding beets because yeah. beets have a... Sim- they have a compound that tastes like dirt, basically. Dirt. Yeah, Jordan cannot eat beets. She's like, this tastes like dirt. Yeah. It's disgusting. I mean, I yeah. like beets, but I... I also do. I think they do taste. Like I like dirt. the. I, just, I like the dirt yeah, taste. I think. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a nice, you know, syrah. <laughs> the terroir yeah. of beets. Beets <laughs> terroir. Mm, why don't you do a terroir smoothie? Just dirt. <laughs> Some dirt and oh cilantro God. juice. Ground up oh. beet tops and carrot tops. <laughs> it sounds like. Have you ever had those Jelly Belly? Um, you might because with yes. your kids, the ones yeah. that taste like booger. Popcorn. Or yeah. It's like and no, vomit, no, no. They had one that was vomit, Harry Potter. And some some terrible parent had them. gave them oh to God. our kids, and it was. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try and stop talking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's it was so normal. normal. But it's a good. But way anyway, to get beets, kids off of sugar. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Take this vomit flavored jelly yeah. bean. And yeah, tell you me can how have some jelly like beans here. Yeah. This one tastes like blood. You could just like really. <laughs> I think you could lower your labor costs significantly if you come out with a terroir smoothie. Because you won't have to wash any vegetables. <laughs> Leave all the dirt on there. Oh, skip yeah. that step all together and just throw it right in the pot, right in the blender. Yeah, um, yeah. Delicious. Next to vegetable fiber, dirt is the best. Next best thing. Oh, and out your gut. Eating, stew, stone soup and oh yeah. Dirt, oh my god, smoothies. that sounds like such a great headline. It's like I love it. Our ancestors had five percent dirt in their diet. I mean, and there's like good bacteria. Yeah, yeah. listen, there is something to be said. Magnesium. Yeah, yes. selenium. Hello, selenium. <laughs> <laughs> Selenium. We're gonna have a diction class after this interview concludes. <laughs> that is, um, yeah, Brazil nuts. You get your selenium that way. Um, but stone soup, right? Stone the whole soup idea is that like the minerals? There are yeah. all these minerals locked in. People actually right. made stone soup, and they would boil the stones and drink the liquid. Yeah, is soup. that on day six of the soup That's class? Day six. Yeah, it's just stones. <laughs> I'm, and on the seventh oh, day, well, get dirt, water, and stones. You're welcome. It'll be $65. <laughs> and then are your kids eating the soup? Yeah. My kids do eat the soup. They really like the lentil kale and the beans and greens, um, which are up there in terms of like the most popular across our customers mm-hmm. as well. And then um, Grover really likes, we have a raspberry cacao smoothie which has rose water in it, which makes it kind of like taste a little sweeter. Mm-hmm. It's very into that one. Nice. Yeah. And then the little one is kind of a punk. He's very like, like we don't say we his don't, name. We don't say his name. <laughs> Caleb. No, he he go he's just like goes through phases and he's in a mode right now where he doesn't want anything that I'm offering him. Stone soup for that you one. Stone Caleb, don't be such a punk. <laughs> Drink your stone stone soup. And enjoy it. <laughs> Um, okay, well, can we talk about other things that are fun to eat? No. No? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about if you were not going to make soup, but if you were going to have, like, mm. a fantasy dinner party of your oh. dreams. Yes. Mean, I mean, you could serve soup uh-huh. unless you want to, like, step away from the kettle, the cauldron. Well, when I have dinner parties, I it's never vegan. Almost never. Very, very rarely, rarely is it vegan. I actually really enjoy cooking animal proteins. Yeah. I can make a very lean uh, or very mean, maybe it's lean also, um, 
medium rare steak. That's like my favorite. It's like I get a ribeye and do like a medium rare steak and slice it thin with like a chimichurri. Ooh, nice. Mm, I love me some chimichurri. Yeah. chimichurri too. Without the cilantro. My husband makes a good one. Yes, he does yeah. it without, without the cilantro. Right. Brian does. He's yeah. got a chimichurri up his sleeve. Yeah. He's like always wants to make chimichurri. Because <laughs> it's good and you can put it on anything. And it's so good the next morning with eggs. Yeah, really good with a soft scramble. Puts it in the freezer in little like yeah. ice cubes. Ooh, so that that's a very good idea. Available. Yeah. yeah, and it's like got so much olive oil in it. Yeah. And it's a little tangy, and yeah, so I love that. So that's your centerpiece. Centerpiece would be yeah, the ribeye with some chimichurri, and then I love just kind of like whatever's at the farmer's market. So right now it's like I love delicata squash, mm, roasted okay. delicata squash. That's my favorite squash because it's. You don't have to peel it. Because it's so delicata. It's so delicata. And what do you, how do you dress it up? I, I roast it with a little olive oil and then I do a little bit of ricotta, a little bit of balsamic, um, toasted pine nuts or toasted pumpkin seeds. Maybe if there's like pomegranates around, I'll throw some pomegranates Ooh, on there. That yeah, that's really, that's, that's a little, good one. It's a little labor intensive. Once you start talking pomegranates, I start. Labor, I know. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny when I was um, in labor with Caleb, that's my memory is when I first went into labor, I opened two pomegranates and like Whoa. slowly opened them. And you were like, how can I increase this labor with more <laughs> labor intensive like activity? I was trying to like, because I was like, I wanted to distract myself and not like get feel like I had to go to the hospital. So I was like, but I'll just like crazy do this. because the pomegranate itself is kind of like, it's almost I like know, its own, it's like its own like, little yeah. womb. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like conjured. You just got little. so like ancestral. <laughs> I know. You got ancestral on that. Remember they used to call them Chinese apples when we were kids? No. That's right. I do They did? That. Chinese apple. What the fuck was up with that? Really? Oh, bring him to school. Like, it feels a little racist. It feels a little. I don't, I don't know, know about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So <laughs> who's coming to eat steak and Chinese apple salad at your <laughs> At your dinner party. On your work as a rug. Oh. On the ground. So share is top on my list. Oh. Oh. Fabulous. Share would game? definitely share be there. Current or? You know, I, so the reason I love, one of the, I mean, so many reasons to love share, but one of the reasons I ha- feel like I have an affinity toward her is, <laughs> this is kind of morbid, but Remember when Sonny Bono died? Her ex-husband, he died, and she gave this really beautiful eulogy. And I think there was something about that, even before I was married or whatever, I was like, this is a really, like, awesome human being. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, like, a deeply compassionate, awesome person who can have such love and affection for someone who she divorced, ultimately, but, like, had a family with. And... I just had so much respect for her in that moment. And it made all of her quirkiness, her wackiness, her amazing outfits, like her voice so much richer and like more impressive to me. I was like, this is, she's such a fucking badass. Yeah. So definitely Cher. Also Whitney Houston. Yeah. Girl. Right? I will always love you, Whitney. Yeah. Whitney Houston. She, I just has such an interesting story. I wonder if the two of them would sit next to each other and get along or if it would be just like diva battle. Ooh, exactly. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think they would get along because Cher, I think, would find a way. (laughs) I think you're right. I think Cher would find the bridge. Bring it in. Yeah. Bring it in. And then I was, I almost always invite my astrologer is this wonderful woman, Juliana McCarthy, who Mm -hmm. she's so great. Um, Oh, I would like her number. Yeah. Yeah. Go to an astrologer. Oh, yeah. So ethereal culture, she's 
so awesome. She's actually coming out with a book in a couple. I'll invite you guys to the launch party. Fun. It's at cool. Alchemist Kitchen. Maybe we should have her on the show. You should oh, have. She's oh great. God, yeah. So fun. that she's great. So hey, I girl. usually invite she her. She already knows we're talking about I, <laughs> Oh, wait. She's not a psychic. She's an astrologist. <laughs> Sorry. But so I usually invite her to my real dinner parties. But I was like, who's like a psychic or something that I could invite to this like fantasy Real one. people are in Dionne Warwick. Oh, hey. With Whitney. With oh, Whitney. Yeah. They right? Have oh my like God. a little reunion. Yeah. 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 That's so, a good dinner. Yeah, that would be like ladies. an interesting. A lot of yeah. singing ladies. A lot, a lot of singing. Ladies. Right. I like it. Obviously. Do you like to sing? You, obviously you know, like so. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, like is different than actually good at. Doesn't right? Matter. But yeah, I do like to sing. I used to do this thing. I sometimes do it still where I try to sing the Star Spangled Banner. In the shower, because I'm like, if I can sing the Star Spangled right. Banner, I can sing anything. With these acoustics. <laughs> All right. You're like, it means I've got range. Yeah. I've got my diaphragmatic breathing down. And I've got love of country. I've got love of country. Exactly. And my kids are like, who's doing that? What's that noise? Stop. 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 Someone's uh, hurting an animal outside. You know, I love it when I'm singing like a sweet lullaby to my child and she's just like, stop. Stop, mom. No. Stop. Don't no. sing. No. No. Yeah. No. All right. Well, so, so I do like to sing, you know. You could kick off the dinner party with the Star Spangled Banner <laughs> and then turn it over to the pros. Wait, so exactly. what are you drinking at your Oh, tequila. Okay. Tequila or mezcal for sure. I have. I did an elimination diet, and red wine is kind of a problem for yeah, me these I days. Know. I'm in denial about that. <sighs> it's very annoying. It's very annoying. I guess what I drank last night: red wine, tequila, oh. and then yeah. red wine. Oh, oh, there you go. I know. Magic nothing, nothing like a little tequila to loosen up those boundaries around the elimination diet. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Get you ready for the red wine. It's gonna kill you. Yeah. I, I, Tim Struby's birthday drinks. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna drink. I'm not gonna drink wine. I can't drink wine. And then I was like, after enough tequila, I'm like, I can drink I can wine. Have wine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been really nice talking to you. Likewise. And your story yeah. and thoughts on ancestral eating, especially Zoe's ancestors and Ikaria. Yeah. Ikaria. Ikaria. And yeah, splendidspoon.com mm-hmm. at splendidspoon. At splendidspoon NY. And are you your nationwide delivery? But we are nationwide. I just never. Awesome. <laughs> Never changed it. <laughs> so uh, like, someone know. has someone has the splendid spoon without the NY, and I was like, you know what? You can let her have, have it. it. Yeah. yeah, let her have it. Whatever. I've seen enough like <laughs> successful businesses. I will not name one right now that is doing just fine with the old hyphen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, best of luck to you. And thank uh, you so much. Thank you. Thank right. you. That was fun. That was fun. You guys are great. Ah. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number. At 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hgwpodcast.com for more episode info. And check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.